very welcome to ADI Ahmedabad once again. It's been a long, long break since we did a tete a tete, and it's very good to be back. And tonight's uh, today evening's guest is Dr. Parag Mankikar. He's been on my wish list for a long, long time. We've known each other for uh, quite a few years. I think post earthquake is when we met Parag. Am I right? Yes. So uh, Dr. Parag Mankikar it is, and Parag started out as a medical doctor. Yeah. Am I correct, Parag? Yes, yes. And what made you become a doctor then in the first place? <laughs> so first of all, hi everyone, namaste. And yeah, I don't know why I became doctor or uh, because I was more like a gunda in the school than, <laughs> than somebody who can become a doctor. Uh, but I think somewhere down the line, I saw a lot of people around my family, friends getting sick. And that could be one of the motivation to become a doctor for sure. And I was very poor in mathematics. I thought so. So that was the option which was closed for being engineer. Okay. But later in the life, I realized that the doctors need more mathematics than engineers. Because <laughs> especially when I worked in pediatrics, and then you have to really calculate very precisely how many drops of saline you are going to give and what is the time. And so all these very funny examples mathematical calculations. How long were you a doctor? I mean, practicing doctor? Practicing doctor, I was almost 14 years. Wow, that's quite a long time, actually. Yeah. And then why did you shift out of practicing uh, medicine? Yeah. So before the, I became doctor, I should tell you something is uh, I was traveling a lot. This was 1983, 84, 85, 86, when I was almost uh, and first I was in, in Punjab, uh, sent by my school to, to meet Mr. Bindranwale, uh, who was the terrorist leader. So I, could, I, I ended up spending almost two years going and coming back to Pune uh, in Punjab. And uh, that was my first exposure to terrorism. I stayed right across in, right in the Golden Temple. I met Bindranwale several times. We used to play hockey together, not him but one of few of his uh, terrorist colleagues. I don't call them terrorists because they also had a reason uh, in some way. During same visit, I also met Indira Gandhiji. She was prime minister and at the age of 2021, 20, I had one year, one hour of dialogue with her where she said, uh, Parag, what do you feel is the, is the core of Punjab problem? So I was very zapped, you know, in my life that prime minister is asking a 20 year old boy, that what was the problem. So this was one. The second is I used to do a lot of trekking and mountaineering. So I was at average base camp. We used to do uh, the biking expeditions, even that time when Google mobile was not there. And I remember we traveled from, uh, from actually all over India, including Nepal. So first trip was Pune Kashmir. The second was Pune Kanyakumari and the third was Pune Kathmandu. And we traveled almost like more than 60,000 kilometers uh, in around 1986, 87, 88. So when I became doctor, I was really confused, you know, that I saw all these people, this beautiful country, uh, the impact of terrorism, talking to a lot of people. Uh, I was also connected with ASU, the Assam uh, Students Union. And they were fighting and they later became the, the politicians and you know the story. So a lot of these things were happening uh, by the time I became doctor. So I think there was a dilemma in my mind. So at one of these base camps uh, going to the, in the Himalayas, you also met a very interesting character, didn't you? Yes, Edmund Hillary. <laughs> and what happened at that point? Yeah, so I was uh, climbing this uh, very huge uh, uh, slope near Namche Bazar, which is the highest bazaar in the world. And I almost uh, reached the village after almost like four or five years of uh, hours of walk. And I sat in a small restaurant uh, for a lemon tea, which is very famous in that region. So I was drinking my tea and a European guy came and sat in front of me, old guy. I did not uh, recognize him because this is 1996. You hardly see any picture of Edmund Hillary. And we started talking. He said, which peak you like? And I said, I like Amadabulam, which is one of the peaks near Everest. And he said, yeah, yeah, even I like that. And I finished my tea and I got up and he said, do you know me? I said, no. And he said, I'm Edmund Hillary. <laughs> I was so shocked in my life. And then he took me to the hospital he was developing. So that was my first really out, outdoor hospital. 
which was being planned for Sherpas. And I actually, I spent almost a day with Edmund Hillary, uh, listening to his vision and his hospital and the way Hillary Foundation was trying to help Sherpas. That was amazing. And then from uh, medical practice, you shifted to technology. Yeah, but there is a, there is a catch in between. Yeah. So uh, I started my practice in a very small village because I used to do a trekking in, in part of Maharashtra, which is very well known, Sayadri. Hmm. These villagers came to my home saying that now you are a doctor, so why not you help us because we were your friends and you used to come to trek in the region where we are and there are no doctors. So I went there and one of the guy actually gave me his place to start my practice. So that was my very beautiful first exposure to the practice. The clouds used to come in my uh, clinic. So that was... Oh, wow. And I still go there after 40 years, I visit that area and I still have a lot of contacts. But firstly, I realized that people ask for injections. They are not believing in some advice, which is uh, just change your diet or wash your hands and something. Mm. Like that. But that was also exposure to me when uh, people, the patient used to travel 20, 30 kilometers to come to my clinic, start at something like four or three in the morning, reach by eight uh, to my clinic. So I saw all these things and I realized that public health is the main problem of India and not the medicine because there is a distinction between uh, and yeah. you know generally the doctors are prescribing medicines for public health issues like COVID is a classical example uh, and I'm happy that COVID really happened because it changed the definitions of medicines in a big way. That's true. Uh, yeah. But it's not a it's a, not a good thing that has happened to many people. Yes. <laughs> so, so a lot of uh, challenges happened in or dilemmas happened in my mind. So I came back to Pune and I consulted one of my mentors. He was statistician at United Nations in New York and FAO in Rome. And he was my mentor. Uh, so I discussed with him. He said, Parag, I think you are built for uh, not medicine, but for public health. So you should do something in public health. And there was nothing available that time in Pune, for example. So he said, why not you do anthropology? And I heard that word, frankly, first time in my life. So I went to the anthropology department in university and I completed my medi uh, medical anthropology after two years. That changed my perspective about everything. After that, I worked with Ford Foundation on a very big uh, research project uh, when AIDS was coming to India. It's a sexual behavior research. And I could speak to about 3000 people across Pune, Nasik and Mumbai both men and women uh, about the sexual behavior practices. So these, these, you know, these are the things which really made me uh, think about uh, going beyond medicine and doing something which is not there. And before I started my technology company, I, uh, I started about four hospitals. I was part of the group and one of the biggest hospital now in Pune, which is uh, almost 2000 bedded hospital is Lata Mangeshkar uh, hospital. So we partnered with her and that was my last project in my life in medicine. And I also worked with one of the fastest cardiac surgeons, Nitu Manke in Mumbai. So he almost developed this hospital, which is now 22 story building in Andheri. After he died, unfortunately, with a heart attack himself, uh, this was taken over by Ambani's. So now it's called Reliance Hospital and it's the five-star hospital. So I remember standing on the 22nd floor on helipad, calling Dr. Marke that uh, we are almost there and we are finishing the hospital. And these are the memories. So, so my connection with the medicine was later more in developing the hospitals and developing the infrastructure. So that was my, and uh, just to, sorry. Uh, yeah, yeah, please, please. Uh, like, because these are the missing points we cannot connect back. Yes. In 1996, I got an Erasmus fellowship to study in Europe. So I negotiated with the scholarship. Uh, this was through Switzerland, uh, Swiss Development Corporation, that I cannot come here for two years. I need to go back because I am part of the hospitals and part of the public health programs run through the hospitals. So I cannot stay here two years. So can you make it flexible? And I was the first person uh, in Erasmus fellow where they allowed me to use my money, the scholarship money, which was huge for almost one year, uh, sorry, five years. And they said, you can study in any university in Europe. So they gave me about 16 universities from Scotland to Spain, Wow. where I could choose from and I could study. So that was my biggest exposure when internet was coming in Europe. And I could see actually, uh, this is from 1996 onwards. 
when I started seeing internet and technology in Europe. So these are the kind of fundamental blocks uh, why I thought uh, technology is going to be the next power. And you went into technology. First, you were developing things uh, for, let's say, companies. And then from companies, you shifted uh, to children again, where you did this Young Changemakers program. Yeah. Uh, could you tell us a little bit about the Young Changemakers program that you ran? Yeah. So my company is Niti Solutions. Yes. And uh, first, you're correct, actually, because I worked in disaster management and it started with uh, Anja in Gujarat. Yes. I, I was there for a medical camp. I took, uh, I think, more than 30 doctors from here and we could set up a camp in Anja, which was completely shattered. And that gave me the first exposure about how we can train doctors. Doctors were not trained and we see actually a lot of uh, issues uh, during that time. So my first uh, company was, first the first work we started doing was in virtual reality. And we created scenarios for like earthquakes and accidents and these sort of disaster management scenarios. That was my first work in virtual reality. And then in, uh, in 2004, Bombay disaster happened. Three days, Bombay's, Bombay was closed. And I was interviewed on a channel in Mumbai that uh, many people were interviewed. So this was a big interview, two days almost, like three hours each day. And they were asking me a lot of questions about how disaster management infrastructure could be improved in India. And at the end, this journalist who was very brilliant, actually young guy, who asked me, actually, you are working in Europe and you are doing scenarios for Europe and you have brilliant team. Why not you work in India, you know? And then we all know that uh, the Indian subcontinent, India, doesn't talk about disaster management in a big way. In fact, I remember I am meeting Mangmoon Singh that time, Sharad Pawar, who was the disaster management uh, minister that time. Yes. You know, nothing happened. That's also the time we met. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, you were actually doing a lot of work in Ahmedabad. I remember meeting this fire brigade guy. I forgot his yeah. name. Yeah. So very interesting story. But when it came to training, nothing was happening. And uh, I came out of the studio uh, and I called my team saying that we have to start something with India. And then the suggestion came that why not we start with children? And that's how actually we shifted uh, from our focus, not shifted, but we continued. Uh, yeah. doing you training. added it on to what we were doing. Because, uh, yeah, we never wanted to be depending on funding and foundations and something like that. So we started earning money from Europe and we started spending money on our ideas and so that's how the first uh, thing started. And my team came out with a very brilliant game using Snacktail as, as a platform. And we created this game on disasters, earthquakes, and fire, and all that. And we had this first uh, big seminar in Pune, two days, and we invited school. I could not believe 1,000 children came, and they were there for two days, going and coming, of course, uh, back home in the night. But they were not ready to leave. They were playing the game uh, all the time. They were fascinated. And this is how th I thought that learning can happen for the subject, which is very experiential, where you cannot read a textbook, how I can save someone and how I can uh, run from the fire and something like that. But you have to actually train the people about how you can do it. So that's how it started. And then this idea came about Young Changemakers because uh, by 2008, I was selected for, nominated for Ashoka Fellowship and I got selected. I got uh, selected in 2008. And the first time I heard the word changemaker in my life. And I like that word. I, I said, this is the word everyone should use that I am a changemaker. And why not we start something? So that's how the Young Changemaker Conference started. And to its peak, uh, about 200 schools from uh, Pune used to participate. But this was an initiative completely funded by uh, our company, which was small. It was best, um, basically dependent on volunteers, mainly from my company. So about 30, 40 people work, used to work as volunteers. And then we got a lot of people from the city of Pune as volunteers. But you know, like the, I see now over the time from 2002 to 2020, and of course around 2010, a lot of things started changing suddenly. The, the definition of professionalism changed. Yes. The career changed. And people who used to work in my company, they started, you know, questioning that uh, whether this really helps uh, such projects in their career. This was kind of a shame, of course, like uh, I, 
but they were also right that they were java and dot net and php and these kind of people they would ask me that why we are actually going to the school and doing these projects as software engineers but i said actually when you are a software engineer and technology people you go to the community you learn about their problems and issues and you come back with uh, with some big ideas and you need to change uh, something to technology can you give an example of some of the kind of changes that came out of from the young change makers and how you kind of how it was organized in the sense uh, i remember you told me that it was on the lines of the world economic forum but then done for children yeah so we had about 150 topics uh, which even today are not taught in the school some of them they are like how to deal with blind people you know so we don't know actually if i give an example that if i am traveling in a train or a plane and there is a blind man sitting next to me it's very difficult to even say hi and hello and talk to him or her you know because we are not trained to uh, these kind of situations which occur in our life so this was one so there are 150 topics the school used to come and register and they used to take one topic and they will create a team of eight people eight students four of them will do the research in the community go to the corporation go to the city ngos and uh, collect data and collect realities of the city and four will work on art and uh, creativity for example they could create some kind of a drama or they can a street play of course not like a very fancy thing mm. or they can create posters and something and eight of these students will come to the conference so conference first day was the research conference where eight nine seventh eighth and ninth standard students will present their research this team of four and we started um, bringing building these skills in young people about how to present how to really start looking at what is the problem and what are the solutions i am going to offer because these days people just talk about problems and they never offer solutions so this is one big change maker effort uh, we did and of course second day was the art and uh, drama and street plays so this was like a complete enjoyment a uh, few of the things i remember is one school started a program very small program where they kept uh, three or four barrels outside their school because generally students bring water bottles to the school mm. when they go home the water is just thrown in the basin so the school said that why not start this water program and you when you go back your home you empty your bottles in these barrels and these barrels water was then used uh, for the garden so this is very small thing you know but yeah. it starts inculcating some ideas the second is one research project which i always give an example is very fascinating that when father is shaving Uh, generally the basin tap is open so these two uh, four students took a topic that how much water is wasted in city of pune and then they actually studied that uh, asked their father to start shave uh, open the tap and they collected the water it ranged from about 15 to 25 liters of water because you shave about 4 to 6 minutes and then they calculated that half the population in pune is men out of that uh, 15% are actually shaving every day so they had some, some algorithm and some imagination guesswork but that came to a, a water uh, which is almost like uh, which can be uh, supplied to pune for a month so that kind of calculations uh, students were doing now this is where mathematics started coming in i started calling it social mathematics so these kind of projects uh, were very fascinating many and remember many one project you also described to me was this a uh, girl who had come up with the calculation of the amount of brown paper being yes, used yes, for covering books yes. and nowadays because notebooks already come with a fancy cover there was no need to put the brown paper cover on it so that they calculated how many uh, books are covered and then how much paper is used and how much trees how many trees are cut and that's how the movement for yes. stopping with the brown paper covers Okay, you know, you know. Uh, I think most of the people are Gujaratis here, so they know how what the business is all about. So this uh, guy, the trader in brown, brown paper trader in Pune, came to me, my office. Yeah. Okay. He called me, and he said, actually, because of you, the entire trade is gone down. You know, I was shocked. The brown paper business in Pune city alone was beyond 150 crores. Oh wow! Did you know that? because you can imagine 700 schools in pune i think 1000 now mm. 
and each school was asking uh, students to cover their books with brown paper and yeah. girl said something very amazing there were journalists sitting there press report and she said actually the knowledge is in the books where the knowledge is coming from brown papers anymore yeah. and then uh, it was a big news in dna and times of india and then uh, all these forty schools came together and they first time took a oath in the conference that they will stop next year using brown paper in the school so that's how it started but there was Fantastic. no at that time so, yeah but you know to put it together and to make it possible yeah. uh, lots of people talk about these ideas i have also talked about a lot of ideas in my life but i've implemented very few of them and that's why the young change makers idea really fascinated me when you told me about it years ago and i used to keep those papers you know the that you you, you used to publish about them uh, like close to my heart because they really meant so much to me and education and children and changing mindsets is something that really fascinates me and uh, i have a group of people also who are now working towards it i think i mentioned that to you and we will talk about it more after this so one one big thing about yanchangi change maker was that uh, the it was student led conference yeah it used to be on podium all on the stage we used to manage like we used to manage entire administration and everything so we used to give students a very good platform where they could come they can feel free because they were in charge their teachers and principals were sitting in the crowd in auditorium so it was the first time they could come on the other side of the of the podium and so it, it's very nice that actually students took that opportunity also very often a platform is provided but few people come forward to you know grasp it uh, so that is a very important thing uh, that actually happened that so many schools used to sign up so many students used to come do their research present their cases it's a big achievement in my opinion and you know like few of the students we could send to the international conferences i had a big fight with cop 15 if you don't if you may you may remember in denmark in copenhagen okay one nine when un was hosting this conference and as a young change makers we wrote a letter to un saying that uh, you are inviting 20000 delegates to this conference you are talking about the future of the world and why there is no young people in the conference exactly will macbigan macbin i cannot pronounce his name from 360.org uh, he actually pushed new york uh, un office that they can invite two young change makers from pune and we selected one boy and one girl and there was a huge competition again we said and competition is wrong but i don't believe in competition but we uh, asked uh, a three uh, layer program where they have to come out with a game idea on climate change and they went through this uh, process and ultimately two were selected and these two made a really uh, a news at united nations conference in copenhagen so it was a connection from pune to the global those kids were very lucky i think to have been part of uh, it and to have met you also in that sense no yes <laughs> so uh, then let's come to uh, what's on your virtual screen behind real lives how did that come about okay so i can now make a statement that the education happens beyond four walls it cannot happen in this school all of us know that what it gives you in the current education is a degree so it gives you a job or it gives you a some kind of a direction but when you go into the job you will get surprised to yourself that actually what you studied in the school is not what actually you are doing in your job correct working you are talking to people you learn all these skills you are presenting you are uh, joining a company where you don't even know what the business is all about so of course the school teach you some kind of a sincerity honesty some kind of a study methodology or how to study and uh, what really helps you rather than wandering in the jungle so that's for sure so school uh, should be beyond four walls that is one so young change maker was the project so never we never went to the school uh, we always brought the student outside the school where they were in the community they were asked to travel uh, in in the city so one of the so some fighting spirit happens uh, when you start seeing so one girl actually went to the street kids so her topic was street kids and what they really and she asked me uh, asked uh, one of the boys there that aap bhik kyu mang bhik 
क्यों मांगते हो मांगते हम इधर बिजनेस करते later on when i thought that how young generation experience can be extended to the global because it was like a pilot project we did in pune we did conferences for almost 4 years and we about 8 7 8000 students went through this experience and then we got uh, invitations from bhuvaneswar from dubai uh, but it was difficult because uh, i think i missed that bus also sometimes i when i look back but there was, that was not a bandwidth we had that time so going digital was the key mm. and uh, i thought uh, the real life could be one of the game changers uh, that can bring the knowledge of the real world to the young people and they can start uh, looking beyond themselves and start dealing with the challenges of the world uh, if you ask me the story of real life real life is not really my idea real life was started by a guy called bob runyan in california Mm-hmm. and he was a software engineer and mathematician and a teacher in the school first and then later in, later on he became uh, a principal in one of the schools small schools in california and he was actually staying in one square kilometer area of steve jobs and bill gates same age and uh, very brilliant so he used to play a board game called game of life and game of life is still popular and still available uh, in us and everywhere a lot of people have played that game but game of life everything starts at zero like any other board game you know and life doesn't start with zero for everyone so yeah so girls and black and we all know this diversity of the world disparity so he saw actually the only way uh, to go from away from idea of game life and really bring the experience of diversity and disparity of this world we have to uh, develop a game design a game and fortunately ashoka in 2004 or 5 uh, started a, a, a platform called change maker platform changemaker.org where i was registered and he was also registered and we were searching profiles and i suddenly got his profile i sent a email to him that uh, so he had written about real life and what is his vision and how it connects to the mahatma gandhi vision about uh, be the change you want to see in this world and all that so i sent a email saying that bob this is very interesting we are a game company we are into different domain of disasters and uh, but this is very interesting to me and let's connect so this is what uh, the 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 advantages of internet are you know yes and this uh, this generation is really really beneficial out of that so bob immediately wrote back and we had the skype call that same evening mm-hmm. and uh, then i decided to go to us so i went to california and i went to his home i met his wife and him and he described actually the first version was already out and he it was a very small program using a particular software which was there at that time and then uh, then at the end of the day bob said that parag uh, can you help me i said why and how and what so he said actually i don't have a lot of money uh, i want to keep the vision of this game so can you give me some two three software engineers who can work on this game idea and i actually frankly i went there to look for any outsourced business which is coming from us but i was fascinated during that day and it really impacted me and i said yes bob i will definitely help you and we started helping him till almost 2010 so 6 years we created two versions and then 2010 he first time he said parag you come on the board of real life so i became the director but by that time he was not a marketing guy he was not very fancy in uh, talking to people and but he was uh, he did the job and by 2012 he almost became bankrupt he left and he, he called me saying that parag now uh, i am gifting this game to you because you have developed the software a lot of ideas are coming from your team so that's how it came to uh, me uh, officially bob is still involved kathy is wife is still involved uh, and i will always respect them for the idea they have created so this is the beginning of real lives to explain your uh, the the people who are watching this program uh, this is a huge statistically driven game so we have the statistical data from the entire world from 193 countries uh, which find the united nations mandate 
there are more than 250 countries of the world but 193 or now 195 have signed the united nations mandate so we have the data from birth to death of these individuals and these data there is a layer of algorithms about 50 of them statistical algorithms so when you click you are born in the game and you are born randomly and i'll explain a little bit more i'll show you actually how the game works okay so this is a dashboard for a teacher so you can add students view students so there are dashboards for gamers for school admins for students uh, we are also connecting now the game with sustainable development goals because that was one of the vision uh, we always speak about and uh, here you see how many students donated their organs and how many lives are in progress how many are completed something like that so this was actually uh, a dashboard and here you see uh, the all the students who where they are born uh, on the google map so which countries this is also fascinating in one way when i click this i go to play real lives so here i see the three ways you can be born one is random like you are born in gujarat i am born in pune or somebody is born in sub saharan africa or in russia or china or north korea so nobody decides gender nobody decides country nobody decides uh, social status family father mother nothing so if i click this first button then it takes me to the server so i am born born as air karan yeah in turkey and here you can see little bit more about the muslim religion for example and other religions which exist in turkey so they start seeing the diversity or disparity everywhere this is a small information about turkey then you can see exactly the place you are born uh, so this is the town called tars so this is a real town so this is a highly realistic game rest of the games i don't know why right things are not happening uh, rest of the games are illusionary they make you go beyond the reality now uh, currently i am logged in from my swiss account if i was logged in from my indian account then it would compare turkey and india so it compares here population sex ratio birth rate then some economics like ppp gini uh, which is a, a disparity index or distribution of wealth purchasing power parity sustainable development goals score happiness index human development index so you know this uh, starts wondering make people wonder about that i am born in country like switzerland which is rich and some of the indicators are even bad in, even in switzerland so that's kind of things now here you can compare uh, for example say i choose uh, goal number 4 which is quality education i click that here it compares so this is a real time data coming from united nations server so it is comparing switzerland and turkey and in some places turkey is bad with red dots and in some places even switzerland is bad uh, with red dots so when i was playing this game in eth in zurich the university which is the fifth uh, known university in the world uh, the students got very intrigued you know that why switzerland uh, goals are bad and they went out talk to the education minister and then they come back so here the game starts so you get certain amenities based on the real data from that country so a lot of people of course are poor in turkey and then you go to the main screen and the main screen is the game ui now this game is a text simulation game so there is no graphics there is no music so we are actually a game which is very different than the games you see and there is a research paper written by new york university which is about 40 page research paper around how this game design is completely different and how it really it affects people so you can click age year button and new events start happening if i see a new event i can see some factoid which is come from say human development report so everything is authentic in this game and one of the big thing i speak in the world is about authenticity which is at stake right now everybody is everything is so unauthentic uh, that you cannot even believe and the life happens in six parameters which are below here education career finance relationships residence and leisure and each one has as a big big thing like for example if i open the finance module you can uh manage your household expenses you can start a company you can get a loan you can invest your money 
and everything affects your life so that's the idea of real life this life takes about 45 minutes if you go on playing so i cannot show you the complete demo but this is what uh, the life happens and now apart from events what happens in real life is the most important decisions you know and if all of us can start looking at what the life is all about only two things happen over in our life one is the events happening around us like the event of zoom which is currently going on yes. and there are decisions which happen in the life for example i want to connect with someone is a decision and this event and decision is a loop which happens the moment we open our eyes in the morning and close our eyes before we sleep correct and these events and decisions shape the entire life we have now if you see the events and decisions which young people take they are not taught how to take these decisions in the school this uh, this is always sudden and surprise elements yeah there are always uh, decisions about life whether i should drop the school or whether i uh, accept this as a lover or whether she is my girlfriend and boyfriend nobody is teaching these things in the school but they affect you throughout your life yeah. that's the argument of real lives yes so during the process of developing uh, real lives and uh, you know the research and things that you've been doing you've been going all over the world and you also you're connected to a lot of influential people in the process of this game right can you name a few people uh, that have really really influenced the way this thing has gone so very fancy people uh, but before that uh, gauri one girl i will never forget in my life she is a tribal girl her name is omli i don't know whether she is alive even today uh, i met her when i was doing my anthropological field work uh, on border of gujarat this is a bill community hmm. coming from a very small village very tribal village called wadafari I went there actually three times to meet her. I took a photo of her because I really liked her, and by that time I was married. And uh, her photo actually got the first prize in Times of India competition that time. This is 1991, um, and I was first time was in shock that the family which doesn't even earn 150 rupees that time, my calculation was about 75 rupees, which I could not believe. but they were earning that because they get lot of things from forest of course but the girl from that family who is beautiful she gets the first prize all over india for the photo i took under the smile category you know the first time i realized that there is no connection of smile and money and happiness yes. and money, you know so i will never forget this girl in my life who has changed my life in a big way that is one but i also met nobel laureates there are two nobel laureates right now on my advisory board and both of them they met me in a very interesting way one is lee harpel who got his nobel prize in uh, cancer genetics uh, he i met him in seattle and i was presenting i met him during the coffee break of the uh, of the presentation and before that i had not even presented uh, i spoke something in the beginning and he came to me with a laptop bag and i was not knowing that whether it's uh, he is a nobel laureate or so he just started talking to me that parag this is fascinating idea and so after 4 hours ultimately when we were departing and saying bye i asked him that who are you and he said actually i am director of hutchison cancer research center one of the biggest cancer research centers in seattle and they also gave me a nobel prize so i was happy you know? <laughs> i said actually how how can i help you and now uh, he is on the advisory board and he really invited me to three places one is arizona state university where uh, he asked all the faculty members and arizona state university if you know uh, dr crow who is the dean or the the rector of the university changed the entire university upside down and he broke all the departments so there are no buildings for psychology and commerce and mathematics something like that he said any professor can go and sit anywhere in the any department because they will always sit together uh, who want to do something different in this world and that's how arizona is completely changed and last 5 years they are the topmost university university in the world wow. which no other university like mit or berkeley or anyone could really uh, do anything so that is one and another great guy i met is james hickman who is a economist at chicago university also nobel laureate his uh, equation is very famous called hickman equation and he first time actually documented as a nobel laureate that how countries spend their money on education and how the countries are shaped by the money you spend so ultimately 
America has say something like 23 trillion dollar economy GDP, uh, and they are now calculating actually how money they are spending, how much money they are spending in education, and whether that brings something back to their economy. And he he invited me to speak to his team, so I was there for three days, and a lot of very interesting ideas came, which we are now trying to implement in the second version, which will should be launched by another two months time. So there are some questions in the meantime, but I'll. Uh... take them right away yes. uh one is so how does someone play this in phases how long does a game generally take and how does a player conclude the game is it designed with a focus on takeaways do players interact with each other as well okay good so one is that as i said that we are actually uh, we are very tangent to all the game ideas uh, in the world and actually i speak about how these games are bad we all know blue whale and all these games which are really really bad uh so one thing is that you are born in the game and you die in the game but you don't die the character dies the second big thing of this research like there are 10 research papers on this game there is a phd from germany on this game and all these research papers are talking about uh, the the students or the young people getting empathetic about the world the first thing i have noticed in korea australia us canada everywhere i go is that the students start asking that i feel i am privileged i come to the school but i lived a life where the the monthly uh monthly money which was available was only 20 dollars or 30 dollars and they believe in it because this is coming from the real data and we also know that you go to odisha and i have met the families who cannot even afford 5 rupees as a school fee every month so 60 rupees for a year that kind of poverty we see everywhere out of 7.4 billion uh, 6 billion people are poor uh, 1.5 billion people are extremely poor and extreme poverty we are not even seen in uh, in our like the people in africa and everywhere so this is the life they live and they get ideas from playing this life so that is one the players don't interact because this is like kind of catharsis or kind of a meditative moment uh, we have created so we have to give this individual experience to the students or to the young people and you won't believe this game is also popular in gaming world now you know the gamers in everywhere and the largest revenue get get is from gamers community and lot of young gamers across the globe who write to us who volunteer with us they keep writing to us that they have never seen such a game in their life first they thought this is very boring but it has impacted them so much i'll give you a very small example because uh, i should give some real life example rather than me talk to you so i went to seoul uh, korea for the first time in 2018 ashoka invited me because they felt that this game is really important for uh, the korean education system being uh, was in reform process that time and they wanted to bring this empathy and uh, social emotional skills into their curriculum which is the core of real life and through gaming so you don't have to teach students what is empathy and what is social emotional skills and what is grit and what is resilience so they learn all through this game so i went there and the blog was written uh, to big blog uh, by ashoka and that was read by the bbc journalist his name is subin kim and subin called ashoka's office saying that i want to meet parag so they thought that he wants to come and uh, interview me so he came and the moment he met me he said parag i want to say sorry and i apologize so i said subin we have not even met why you are apologetic and why you are saying sorry so he said parag i played this game 8 years ago and we had a big group of gamers across the globe and the competition we used to set was who dies first in the game now that answers the another question is that what really happens and how it goes so this game is highly probabilistic it is based on statistics so none of us know actually when we are going to die yes. So, if the infant mortality of a particular country, like say Rwanda or North Korea or any other country, Congo, a democratic CDR, is high, then chances of the character dying at the age of one or two or three is very high because that is driven by the statistics. Correct. And none of us really don't know. If, of course, like the friends, uh, the friend who died yesterday, he might have a slight, slightest idea about when he is going to die. You know, otherwise we don't know when we are true, dying. True. True. so that is highly probabilistic and that's how the game uh, fun is all about also where you are born is exactly. probable you never know you never yeah know. and we become fighters for that piece of land that we call our country yes but 
it's just that you were born there the second is actually a lot of people started asking us that we want to be born somewhere so can you do that so we created a, another way of born or design a character so now i can be born as a girl in herat in afghanistan and i can live a life of a girl in afghanistan now in a in a software project like this which is very complex and is run by algorithms which is based on real data we don't want to be commercial we don't want to fool people we don't want to earn money by cheating people so all the goodness because we want to spread goodness through this game if we want to maintain all these things then certain things we cannot do as as a company or as a yes. software and that's where the ethical line comes in and that's where actually uh, one of the big thing i talk about is the way data is handled now somebody asked a question about can people yes. talk to each other in the game so so uh, we don't do that right now we were almost designed a social network behind the game but i thought uh, you are, you are looking at twitter and facebook and cambridge analytica and all these things and we don't have this ability of fighting a legal case if something goes wrong you know for example the schools are using it and if something leaks from the school and then it becomes like a big news for example i'll give you a very small example how sensitive the issues are but with the humanity approach of humanity and approach of goodness you can still uh, deal with the situation in a very good way a school in us is using this game and the teacher forgot to put off certain settings for the example there is a rape data in the game now you might get raped uh, in a country where the rape uh, statistics is really high now this uh, girl was born somewhere and suddenly the character got raped so she went went to the teacher asking what the rape is because i think she was only 8 or 9 year old and they were playing real life so the teacher got shocked you know so she said oh, where did you heard this then she said no no i just uh, had this uh, happen to me in this game so teacher wrote a email to us asking now what to do because she was really scared you know now it will be a big issue and so i said don't worry ask parents to come talk to them and let's see actually what their version is the mother said actually she wanted to bring this issues to her daughter but she was not sure actually how they they are going to bring it to her their daughter and in fact mother was happy that the student was curious their girl was curious and she started asking certain questions later on the school started a program where they started bringing these uh, issues uh, into the classroom and that's how this school was also changed yeah you can stop me if i am talking too much i think we are going to run out of time really uh, so are there any questions still coming in from the audience or would you like to share something you can put your microphone on and just ask your question yeah, or say say what you would like to share with parag hi parag this is priyanka um, i'm really fascinated with your game and i was just wondering like so you use real time data right so where do you extract this data from like this is un sites yeah or so we we extract this data from about 150 websites uh, one of the website where you get the purest and very authenticated data unfortunately is central investigation agency cia which is us but cia data is actually public so they yeah. but we take this data from oxfam unicef oecd Uh, UNICEF and all these organizations, and Priyanka, one of the argument I am trying to do is that United Nations collected this data. If I ask any young person that do you know this data on which you are going to make decisions about your life, for example, what job I should take and what whatever. Uh, so all this data is in Excel sheets. It doesn't relate to anything. You it doesn't make you cry because you see on one side some children are dying, on the other side there is PPP and GDP which is going high. You know. so it doesn't really connect lives in in a particular way and that's why actually the power of real lives uh, is that we connect this data and although you may be born in a very poor family uh, you might get rich like sundar pichai for example uh, that's a story we all see but this is what happens and this is what life is all about so the data comes from public website which is open data right and just one more question i'm very curious how big is the team i mean this would be this is a mammoth task no actually uh, for, for fortunately uh, in 2014 i got uh, some money from ford foundation uh, they funded us although we are a private limited company and they gave us this money to create another game in gujarat 
uh, I worked with uh, uh, with Anand uh, Instructor of Rural Management, Irma, yeah. and we created amazing game called Narayanpur Express, which is a simulation for Indian villages. And one of the big things I realized in uh, livelihood sector, which is agriculture and livelihoods, is that empathy is missing. You know, people are designing projects which are just raising their cash net or net worth, you know? mm. and then all these issues. Of course, all of us know. So I took a permission from Ford Foundation that whether I can use some of this money to make this game online on cloud. Before that, it was a exe file on uh, Microsoft. So they gave us a permission, and another big money came from uh, Ratan Tata. So I met him accidentally. I presented this game uh, to him and his one of his uh, right hand man called Venkat. And that time I had finished all my money in my life. So they gave us about a crore of rupees to go. That's how we could uh, launch. So I had that time about 30 people working with me. But right now, because we are really, uh, really struggling a lot, I have a team of five brilliant people right now who are extremely passionate. They are not from IIT and IIMs. I never got these people from my company because they are they start companies like Ola and and keep cheating drivers who are poor. So we don't want to do that, and we don't want these people to come here. I always get people from very small villages or B or C towns or one of the worst engineering colleges in India, but they are the most brilliant people who work with us. So right now, five people, and uh, the next version will be launched in one next one and a half months, and it is going to be brilliant for schools where we are creating a teachers program now, global teachers program, because one of the big thing which is missing Gauri right now and all of you. Yes, absolutely. There is no education about empathy. There is no education about social emotional skills, and we are still struggling how we can complete syllabus. And one more question, Parag. You had a program some time ago which was called Mera PM Con. Yeah. I thought it was a fantastic uh, in, uh, initiative, and I hope you continue it every time that the elections come yeah. and update it, so that actually people get to know. who they are voting for on the forehand and why actually in the netherlands they also had such a game uh, where you know you may think you are left wing right wing or this or that but when you start answering the questions that do you think like this do you think like this do you think like this and then you discover that actually your thought process is for something completely different you know but you are voting for something because of other issues that are you know yeah. sent to your brain so i think that a game that you started mera pm con is very interesting and that you should actually really bring it out in a big or way or include it in real lives in some form so what fascinating story about mera pm con was that i got a call from uh, us embassy in delhi and they started asking me are you going to make a game for us elections which was actually trump and biden election okay because i was busy with real lives i i said forget it and we also could not get the the small money we wanted otherwise it was going to be amazing but yes of course like i definitely agree so my last question before we end the session today is what would your message be to the world with all this experience that you have with all the kind of people you have met in your life uh, and all the dreams you still have uh, a lot of the, us have almost given up you know but uh, you are still charged with dreams and that's what fascinates me most about you what would your message be message first message i learned in my own life is that talk to every person you encounter with even the guy who is filling petrol in your car i never sit in my driver's seat i also observe you i i guess i always get down and i have learned this technique after this interview i took for aids uh, sexual behavior Hmm. that within 5 minutes you will know what that person lived a life like and that gives a lot of options to you because uh, it's really a challenge uh, for him or her so that is one second is the covid has given us a very very strong uh, motivation that uh, that that the education cannot happen in the schools and i am really waiting that schools will get closed because you know they have served their purpose If you read the UBS United Bank of Switzerland report about how their buildings are going to be worth in the future, and they realize that none of these millennials and Generation Z is coming to the bank buildings like we used to go, hmm. they started a program called free coffee in the banks. 
because they thought that for the free coffee with the selfishness at least they will come to the bank office but they are not even doing that because that is going to be more expensive in terms of time and money and whatever so these bank buildings are going to be empty in switzerland so they are now worried actually how these buildings are going to be used because if the people are not coming because everyone is on mobile so if that is the message and if everybody is going to be on mobile and everybody is going to be on education uh, education is going to be on mobile this is the greatest opportunity for us to be in the community of course the, once the covid is up and start learning in the real life how you know, life is all about and this is going to really make us survive i think it was i enjoyed this conversation i think thoroughly uh, i hope everybody else who was here also uh, enjoyed this uh, conversation and um, so gauri i have a question if i yes. can ask please please okay uh, actually when parag said talk to everybody i think i got a little motivated and i have a question now uh, <laughs> uh, hello parag i am shivani chakrachatri and we make uh, toys for little children from oh, age 4 to 10 Uh, and it is basically about all these social skills about around empathy and ideation and uh, how to define a problem it's all that we're trying to put in physical toys and games uh, using natural elements like sunlight and water and stuff like that so my question to you is uh, you have made a game empathy which is a digital game with so much text which probably works for children who are above 10 years of age or maybe maybe 8 plus uh, for somebody like me who is making physical toys and is trying to you know give the message of empathy out there how do we um, so what's your take on that how do you think around it no that's a great project empathy is built when you are young actually frankly that is that yeah. is what the assumption is all about yeah uh, i think we are breaking that assumption because we also see very big people like a musician from paris uh, calling me and crying on the phone saying that parag i never realized that this is such a great skill so this can change you anytime for sure because it's uh, biologically imprinted on your brain with all the genetics you have but your project is very interesting the only challenge i think in the physical project from where i shifted from medicine hospitals to uh, digital technology company is that it scalable is scalability can be a problem it could be a challenge and how you are going to reach lot of people uh, with this kind of tools because there is a manufacturing there is a cost involved and lot of things Uh, but if there is a time which is limited i think we can have a one to one chat or talk yeah i think uh, i am very interested because you can build amazing stories using these toys because all of us like gauri generation and my generation we had nothing else but uh, you know creating our own toys own toys yes around us you know yes this box used to be all over the room <laughs> in but big feel like um, yeah even for like children who are small parents want them not to use their phones and ipads and so much now and that's where the whole uh, you know the need is coming in but the whole problem here is to really translate that through physical toys we're trying many stories out there but like but you said shivani i'll i'll tell you because i spoke to lego and i met them in switzerland right you can think of something like a lego in social social way and if you can make these bricks or something where uh, they can assemble it like mechano for example you can make anything you want but her idea is very different parag you should really okay. look at it yeah sure uh, she has your number you have her number because okay. she was going to do the interview earlier so uh, you can definitely connect and uh, share yeah. uh, this information very interesting sure nice to know you shivani yes and i will i will connect with you yeah so with that i would like to thank parag very much and i would hope that we could meet again and again for you know taking other discussions further whenever we are uh thinking about uh, problems that we come across uh design wise when creating new ideas solutions uh for let's say bringing change to our cities the way they function the way we approach our uh, uh municipalities you know and all these kind of problems there's a lot i think we can learn from you yeah. so thank you very much only to end i'll uh, i like this uh, quote from kalam that neend mein sapne mat dekho sapne aise dekho jisse neend ud jaye ud jaye absolutely <laughs> thank you thanks thanks great and bye bye all
and gauri will share my thing so anybody who wants to get in touch let's talk and yes. i'm i'm never busy great thank, thank you so thank much. you gauri thank you for bye parag thank, thank you so much thanks gauri